I'm excited about this morning. Don't know who else might be. Has anyone seen the posts we've been putting up on uh, Facebook this week for Pentecost week? I've got notes. I'm just not sure if I'll get through them. Um, yeah, I'm just going to get the thing up here. Yeah, I, and there will probably be copious tissues needed today um, by me. Um, it's good, it's good. Yeah, talking talking about one of my favourite things this morning, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. And I'm intentionally just I'm just waiting. Um, if you, I, I guess I'll just precurse anything I say today. If there's today might not it might look like a normal preach possibly, but it might probably won't and that that's cool because um i think god wants to touch some people to refresh some people this morning to uh, for his presence to come into people's lives that haven't experienced that before to give gifts to people and rather than just rush through my things i'm just kind of i'm trying to measure it because i could get through it and it'll make sense as we go through. But I, I, I want to... Pentecost, as we said, is the Spirit poured out. It's the, the day where after Jesus died, rose again, was with the disciples, he, he, he told them to, to wait for the Holy Spirit. So firstly, just a couple of background things. Pentecost was a festival in Jewish culture. It's not just a day that we now, uh, well, since Jesus is made up, it was actually a thing before then. Pente is a uh, Greek language, stands for 50, we, uh, five, we've got, um, it stands for 50 days. And, and the original festival by the Jewish culture, and, and this hopefully will just add a bit of weight to what happened on the day of Pentecost when understand the background. So, the Jews were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Moses comes along. God tells him to set his pe- uh, to get his people out of Egypt, to go to Pharaoh, set people free. 50 days after they leave Egypt, 50 days after Passover, where the firstborn of every household in Egypt uh, died, but, the f- but they were all saved in the house, in, in the Israelites, because of Passover lamb, the sacrifice that they had the day of Passover. Because blood needed to be spilt, but that saved the, the firstborn of every household. 50 days after that day, the, the Jewish people had gone through the Red Sea. They had spent some time in the desert. They come to Mount Sinai, and God descends on the mountain with a thick fog, thick cloud, descends on the mountain, and he says, Moses, to come up. There's, if anybody else goes on that mountain, they're to be killed because this is holy ground. This is where God is meeting his people. He has just set them free 50 days earlier from enslavement, from bondage, from horrible things. 50 days later, he meets his people. And they're in shock, they're in awe, they're, they're fearful because the presence of God is a almighty 
powerful, awe-inspiring sight in that context. Another piece of background information that might be useful for this morning. So years later in the Jewish temple, there's, this is as close as I could get to 2,000 years ago. There's this big, uh, in the Jewish temple, for those that might not be aware, let's go light this up somewhere about there. So, and you won't be able to see the screen, but it's okay, there's a lot of things to see on the screen right now. So in the Jewish temple, they, there's this place you, you, you go in. I haven't been there, but uh, I, I've seen pictures of what people have mapped it out to look like. There's this place where lots of people can go. They do sacrifices. But there's this one place called the Holy of Holies at the back of the temple where only one person, the head priest, can go once a year. Because behind that curtain is the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, where God resided for his people and he met with their representative, the head priest, once a year. This curtain was 60 feet high. Now, I'm just over six foot. I can kind of get, probably reach about nine foot because then there's a basketball hoop. Ten ten feet is my uh, reference point for height. So I would estimate this is probably close to 20 feet, roughly. Three times that height was this curtain. Four inches thick, about 10, 11 centimetres. In purple fabric, representing royalty. And this curtain was the divider between the presence of God and his people. And that priest could only go in once a year when he had, uh, when all the sacrifices had been made, all the cleansing rites and go and atone for sin for the Jewish people because sin cannot enter the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross on Passover, years after what happened in Egypt where lambs needed to be slain to protect the firstborn and suit because death was coming and had, had to be warned for the people, Jesus, who is without sin, without blemish, died on the cross so that we may have eternal life. On Passover. He rose on the third day. But at... So the other thing about this curtain, four inches thick, Josephus, a Jewish historian, not a Christian, from Jewish culture, he, he wrote in his writings, this curtain, you could tie a horse to this end of the curtain, a horse to that end of the curtain, and you could not rip it. That's how strong it was. Get your biggest, strongest horse. Try and pull it apart. Get your biggest strong man who, you know, likes to rip open the yellow pages, although they're getting smaller and smaller these days. Like to rip them open. You cannot tear this thing. When Jesus died on the cross, said, it is finished. The earthquake came, thunder came, this curtain ripped in two. And I'm going to go that way so I don't cover Jordan things. So this curtain separated in two. What, why, why is that important? Curtain splitting. This represented Jesus had paid the price so everybody now has access to the presence of God. Not just one person once a year who has to go through all the sacrifices. Everybody has access to the presence of God because Jesus took our sin. He was without sin, took it on, his, on the cross. 
Spirit. So we'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. This is Luke writing. It's a sequel, Luke, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, uh, two parts to the same story by the same author. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. couple of things from there. Jesus says he has to leave for the Holy Spirit to come. In the book of John, I think it's chapter 14, he says it's to your benefit that I go because when I go, I will send a counselor and an advocate for you that can be everywhere. Because if Jesus, let's say Jesus was like, had eternal life, you know, fountain of youth, all those kind of things and never died, he would be in one place in the world. He would be in this kind of temple spot. Maybe he'd travel around and go do conferences and things and, and so people could see him. But we would have to go there or he would have to come there before we could see the presence of God. But he says, it's to your benefit that I do go. And the disciples don't understand that at the time. But here he's saying, wait. Sometimes we just need to wait. And our culture is... We like to do things quickly. We've gone from the oven to the microwave and we still get frustrated when we have to wait. He says it's the gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. In a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you know these are the very, 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 very last words that Jesus ever spoke on the earth to his disciples? So you'd think there's a bit of weight to that. If somebody is going to leave, you know, their last statement, their last piece of writing, their last words, and they knew they were going to be the last words, you would want to carefully consider them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not you will receive a good feeling. You may get a good feeling, but you receive power. You will not receive a blue aura or a pink aura. You will not receive warm fuzzies. You will not receive a meekness and a, uh, a spirit of timidity. You will not receive a spirit of fear. You will receive power. Not Jumping forward to verse 15. 
In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. I've just picked out this one verse because there's a couple of chapters we could go through. But earlier, Jesus says, Go to Jerusalem and wait. Go wait for the gift I have promised you, the Holy Spirit. He even told them what it was called. They didn't know what it was going to look like, what this Holy Spirit thing was, but they knew what they were waiting for in name. In 1 Corinthians, it tells us that Jesus appeared to 500 in Galilee. This is where the disciples were. He didn't just say to the 12 or the 11 disciples that were left, go and go to Jerusalem and wait. He didn't say only you because there were 120 in the room. He appeared to 500 and gave them proofs and taught them. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for my Holy Spirit. There were only 120 left in their room one week later. It wasn't a year later. It wasn't two years later. One week later. So the numbers dropped by 380. You know what, just... Just thinking on that, what does that mean for us? And Jesus has promised us something. Maybe we're in, in worship. And, you know, the worship was amazing this morning. And George was leading spirit full. I, I got excited and overwhelmed at the same time. Make up a word for that. Excitedwhelmed, something. Just about what the Holy Spirit can do for people this morning. Yeah, sometimes we just need to wait. Says just, you know, maybe it's a word for somebody this morning. Just stick at it, because you never know at the point of giving up. You know, imagine being the disciples or the followers that left after six days and weren't there on the next day, and then hear about the news. And maybe they get filled with the Holy Spirit later, but to be in that room on that day, just stick at it. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So this is... And, and, and I'm thinking... Like the, the day of Pentecost as well was this festival where everyone from all the Jewish nations, like that, that spread across all the nations in the in the area, all the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem on this day every year. And so, you know, if you're a logical kind of business type person, you're thinking, how am I going to maximise the benefit and you know expand the reach of this organisation? You kind of think, oh, all these Jewish people are, you know, all of our country men and, and people of our culture are all coming to town in one week. Maybe Jesus would do it then when everybody's there. Maybe those 380 didn't think about that. But they were all together in one place. There's, uh, there's 120 people in the room. The day of Pentecost, the festival where they would bring in the first fruits. So this festival that uh, acknowledged and celebrated the presence of God coming down, meeting the Israelite people, they had this festival and they would bring in the first fruits of the harvest, the 10%, the first fruits, they, the best of the harvest. They would bring it in and give it to God. They would bring it in to the temple. And that's why they came from all around. 
and the day of Pentecost come. Now we're talking 50 days after this, when the free we we got the Israelites got freedom from Egypt. We got freedom by what Jesus did on the cross. So on the very same day, now the first fruits are the disciples. The first fruits of Jesus' ministry come in, but are sent out by the Holy Spirit, as you're about to see, to be witnesses. Uh, back into um, verse eight, chapter one, verse eight. When you receive power. The result of having the Holy Spirit is to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's not to have a club. It's not to just come here Sunday morning and this is our presence of God time. We come here, we, we, we meet together, we get encouraged by the word, by the worship. We, we might have had a rough week. We might not have been able to spend time with God, but we come here and spend soak in His presence and go out to be witnesses in Adelaide, Norwich, our workplace, our school, our university, our family. We receive power to be witnesses. We don't do it in our own strength. The Bible says in the Old Testament, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not some of them, not one of them, not just the leader, not just the... All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So that's where they all came for the festival of Pentecost. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. The Spirit can often lead to bewilderment. The, the, the moving of the Spirit can lead to confusion and, uh, or bewilderment, probably not more bewilderment as in, what's this going on? Rather than confusion, it's like, something's going on it's different it can kind of like I'm not sure because if we have the spirit moving in our lives in our church and and I'm glad we're part of C3 Church where we do talk about the Holy Spirit and see the Holy Spirit move because there are some churches unfortunately that don't talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not this kind of whimsical thing that just sort of floats around it's a person the Holy Spirit is God. God, the Father, Jesus, Son, Holy Spirit. Three in one, each part of the Trinity. And to be honest, I've been to Bible college. I've three years in Australia, one year in New Zealand, and I still don't get it all. But I do know the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is powerful. I can try and explain in, in nice symbolism that can be helpful about three in one and clovers and ice water steam and they can be useful to to get the idea of three in one or one thing being in three different forms if you're talking about water steam and ice but all you really need to know is the Holy Spirit is God so the God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven verse 6 when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one 
heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. This should be the reaction when people see the Holy Spirit move. They ask, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Now, why is that important? Because Galileans, let's say they're the stupid ones. Uh, they're the uneducated. They're not part of Jerusalem. They're in this town outside of Jerusalem. They're fishermen. They're not educated. They don't go to university. They don't get degrees. So here are all these uneducated people that are suddenly speaking all of these different languages. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Don't have to worry about the, the countries, that's why I skipped through it quickly. Here are these uneducated people that have been touched by the Spirit of God that are suddenly speaking languages from all around. We are here, the wonders of God. They're not just speaking the language, they're declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? You know, when we see the Holy Spirit moving, it should be amazing, it should be perplexing, it should be exciting. And I'm excited for what could happen this morning in people's lives. But what we need to know is, like, I've seen some weird things in church. I've, I've grown up in church. I'm 30 years old. Grew up in what we call Pentecostal-type churches where we talk about the Holy Spirit. I've seen people talk in different languages, people fall over, not fall over. Uh, seen people heal. Seen people jumping across stages, doing all um, some stranger things. People just blowing trumpet in the middle of the congregation. That was an exciting meeting. I'm not sure if it was of the Spirit, but, you know, that was not here. I I promise you that. That's all just to say sometimes the Spirit moves in a way that might be kind of like uncomfortable. It's not going to get us to do anything illegal, but it can be uncomfortable because God stretches us and and you might be a conservative person and then somebody's yahooing and because the Spirit of God has touched them, we shouldn't let our personality kind of interfere with how we're seeing the Spirit of God move and we shouldn't dampen down the enthusiastic ones because we're not the enthusiastic one because that's, that could be the gift of God moving in that person's life. And that's exactly what happened Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. (laughs) Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people, not just some. All. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Male, female, your young men will see visions. Your younger generation, your old men will dream dreams. It's for male, female, young and old. 
even on my servants, both men and women. Again, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Not talking about just like dribbling. Yeah, I could. I just make sure there's no cables. Yeah, this, that's not pouring out. That's just kind of like tipping a little bit. And it's water, it's carpet, it'll dry, it'll be okay. <laughs> pouring out would be, <laughs> if I turned this upside down and bam, all that came out. But I like iPads, so I just wanted to be conservative around the iPads. Here, twice, God is saying via Joel, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour it out. I will not just give you just a small amount. When the curtain opened and the presence of God came out and was available to everyone, it wasn't just there was a little, uh, we need to repair a little hole in the curtain. It's split in two. The presence of God is available for all. It's been poured out. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Verse 21, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I will pour out my spirit. You will see signs and wonders. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, it could be very easy for me to, and very comfortable to stand here and preach and talk about the power of God and the Holy Spirit and then say, call on the name of the Lord. The uncomfortable thing is to do what I don't know what's about to happen, where it's currently a time, and I won't say, well, you're probably looking at the time now anyway, 11.12. We've technically got till 11.30. 11.20, 25. Not past 11. I have, I have a special clock here to try and keep me on time. It hasn't worked so far this year. Then, so in verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The next 20 verses, Peter preaches this almighty message to the Jewish people. He's, a, he's Jewish, he's speaking to the culture, he's saying, Jesus, who you crucified, this is what he did. Preaches this amazing sermon. He's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the guy who, when Jesus was being tried, he denied Jesus three times and said, I do not know him. He was fearful. He was timid. He was the, not the obnoxious, but the, the loud one who would speak out. And, but when the, it came to the crunch, he denied Jesus three times. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he speaks this amazing sermon. And then in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number. Not three, not 30, not 300. 3,000 were added to their number that day. I can't even comprehend speaking without a microphone to 3,000 people and being and everyone being able to hear that, let alone 3,000 people seeing the signs and wonders of God and being saved and being added to their number that day. The result of the Spirit at work should be amazement and salvation. Jesus said you will receive power to witness by the Holy Spirit. Just ask 
everybody to stand with us this morning and just ask George just to take us in uh, spirit full. Just, let's just worship a little bit and just see what God wants to do this morning. But I just say, if, if anything I've been saying is resonating this morning, you just start praying and seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit. And I'm believing that people will be touched afresh this morning. We'll probably at some point open up the front for people to be baptized in the Spirit that might not have been or need to be refreshed. But let's just worship and spend some time doing that this morning. Spirit Spirit 
might be some people here this morning that says in Acts, Jesus says, I'll baptize you in the Spirit. John baptizes you with water, baptizes you in the Spirit. And there might since people here this morning that haven't been baptized in the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, a step of boldness, and just come up the front this morning just to receive the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's everywhere, but sometimes when we take that that step into a place where people encounter God up the front, we take that step, He'll take that step to us. And for the rest of you, just to be praying, just to be seeking more of the Spirit in your lives, to be praying for the people up front. This is a participation sport. It's not an uh, observation sport. us with power this morning.
just wonder if there's anybody here. Statistics would say there's somebody here that needs uh, healing this morning. Just ask you to make your way forward. These guys can stay here if they like, or you can return back to your seats. But if you need healing this morning, the Spirit of God is here for healing.
Anybody else who wants healing this morning, I see it come forward while we're singing. Be bold, be courageous. The power of God is here to heal people this morning, set people free. everybody to close their eyes across the room this morning. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe it's your thousandth time in church. Maybe you've never received Jesus and come into relationship with Him and just said, I believe. What we talked about earlier about Him taking sin of the world upon himself that we may have everlasting life all we have to do is say I believe Jesus I want a relationship with you might never have done it before or maybe you were once in relationship with, with Jesus and walked away the relationship to have a relationship there's two way communication maybe that communication You've stopped talking, stopped seeking God. And th- things have happened in the past. But you want to come back into a relationship with Jesus this morning. In a moment, I'll ask you to raise your hand so I can see it. And then I'd love to pray with you down the front. If there's anybody here this morning, it would just be in a moment. So if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, and maybe this morning you're wondering what the heck's going on and this Holy Spirit, you can't explain it, but you feel peace. The Holy Spirit is here this morning. That's the presence of God. There is no substitute for the presence of God. There are imitations, but there's nothing like the presence of God. The Holy Spirit that we carry in us is God. It's not just the lieutenant in the army. It's the, it is God. It's not just some lower force. We carry, we're experiencing the presence of God this morning. So if you've never been in a relationship with Jesus and this morning you're saying, I, I want some of that, I want some of that. And, or maybe you've walked away and it's been dry and you haven't been in that relationship and you're saying this morning, I want to come back into that relationship. That power of God is what I need. I need that in my life. Let's ask you to raise your hands this morning just while everyone's eyes are closed. Just wave it nice and high so I can see. If there's anybody this morning don't want to have a service without an opportunity for people to meet Jesus. Fantastic. Let's just sing Spirit Full just one more time. Just for this week and for the rest of this year, let's just grab a hold of His presence this morning. Let it be the cry of your heart this morning. Holy Spirit,
Oh 